WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. Brought to you by Ace of Lacrosse Sportsland in Shelby Mall in Lacrosse, and also by uh, Roscoe's Live Bait in Toma. Both will help you catch more fish or get you outfitted with what you need for bait and everything. And thank you for uh, thank you for sponsoring the show this morning. Here it is. Uh, Almost 8.30. Gosh, this show's almost half over already here. And uh, time to uh, get to the topic of the day here. And uh, it, part, it, it, it just uh, obviously with the uh, the clear weather that we've had here too, and, and uh, it, it's something that I find kind of interesting anyway and, and worth looking at. Um, you know, how does the moon phase affect fishing? Um yeah, obviously, you know, if you look at places like, you know, the oceans and the Gulf, you know, where tides shift things around a little bit, uh, or a lot, um, you know, move bait and that sort of thing. Um, how does it really affect things here in, uh, in our area? You know, uh, obviously we, we don't have a tidal action here on, uh, on Lake on Alaska. Um, at least I don't think we do anyway. Um, Although I guess if somebody has a big enough boat, but anyhow, uh, you know, it certainly, it, but, uh, it, 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 it can, um, you know, and if you go to places, you, you know, like the in fisherman website and, you know, there's tons of other places on the, uh, on the internet that, uh, you know, you can find charts and calendars that show you the best times to go out and catch fish, you know, but is it all you really need? No, 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 it's not. Um, you know, it's just part of the equation. You know, you still need to be in the right spot with the right gear, presenting your lure in the right way, you know, um, you know, and for some anyway, there isn't necessarily a consistent agreement on when the moon phase most influences the fishing, you know, you know, is it one day on either side of a new moon or two days or three or four? You know, um, you know, there just isn't a lot of agreement on the issue. You know, some people believe that fish are active during the, uh, you know, specific lunar phases, uh, while others think it has, uh, more to do with the uh, moonrise and moonset and, you know, just the, the light cast by the moon, I guess, if you, if you will, um, you know, or moonset or things like that, you know, and there's also the belief too, that, that fishing, you know, during the day around a full moon is, is not all that good since the fish are feeding at night. Um, you know, it just, you know, there's, it, it's a little up in the air. Um, you know, but again, you know, on the oceans and tributaries, it certainly can, but on freshwater, eh, somewhat maybe is, is a reasonable answer. Um, and I, I you know, I, I tend to think that it, it does just a, a little bit here too. And again, um, I think it varies a little bit. Um, let's talk about it a little bit. Um, major periods occur when the moon is, you know, 
directly overhead or directly below a, a reference latitude, if you will. Uh, minors occur when it's positioned 90 degrees to either side. You know, So the movements of the Earth and Moon that the majors and minors occur slightly more than six hours apart. You know, And when days and nights are about equal length, around spring and fall equinoxes in March and September, um, a major at dawn places a, a minor at noon, and another major around dusk makes the, uh, you know, likely making uh, this a prime day to be on the water. In winter, a noon major is surrounded by minors before dawn and after dark, likely not prime times for fish, although they, they can be caught. So I'm not saying that, that this, you know, it's like, oh, we got the moon here and it, you don't go fishing. No, it just maybe thinks, think things out a little bit more. It's just one part of the equation. Uh, you know, scientists don't know how bass might detect moon position. Uh, some theorists, uh, I guess, feel that uh, uh, invertebrate movements are related to uh, solar productivity and that these, you know, tiny creatures uh, move and become more vulnerable depending on the moon phase, leading to, you know, increased activities by species that feed on them. Uh, you know, so the little... Uh, uh, the little bugs and whatnot, yeah, might be a little more active in a full moon and therefore a little bit more vulnerable to uh, to prey, so the fish might be eating them a little bit more at night and so on and so forth. You know, and again, that activity in turn, you know, encourages feeding by walleye, bass, pike, muskie, and other predators uh, as well. Uh, and some biologists, uh, I guess, theorize that, that moonlight illuminates uh, you know, shallow nests and allows bass to more easily lay their eggs and uh, later guard their nests against raiders, um, thus spawning on the full moon with a clear sky uh, may actually aid in uh, fry survival. Um, you know, once the temperatures have exceeded around 65 miles an hour at the where the nest is, um, the light of the full moon doesn't appear to be quite as important since uh, subsequent spawns were scattered around the intervening new moons, uh, dark nights, and the next full moon. Um, so again, to kind of uh, you know wrap things up just a little bit here with uh, with this this morning, um, you know, moon phases can play a role in in how the fish bite but it certainly isn't the largest factor when it comes to figuring them out. I think it would be, you know, it, it's certainly something to think about. Um, and, you know, it's, I guess, part of the equation. Um, but, you know, once you get down below, you know, there's other factors such as water temperature, location, uh, clarity, oxygen levels, uh, you know, the, the time of year, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, so it's not, again, it's not necessarily the only one, but it can be just another element, uh, to, uh, I guess, add into the equation for finding, uh, for finding success on the water. So just, again, a little something to, uh, uh, something to think about anyway, while, uh, uh, you know, you ponder, you sit around in the evening and it's like, oh, you know, hmm, the moon's up or the moon's down or, you know. So just uh, some, and certainly too, you know, we're getting to the point where now it's it's not. You know, uh, this past week, it'd be would have been great to be out to be, you know, would have been a perfect week to get out and do some night fishing. I think just simply for the, <laughs> the simple reason, it's a little it was it was a little bit cooler 
Uh, and then the other thing too is, and, and, and talked about this before too, about night fishing is that, um, you know, certainly if the fish are biting and, and, you know, I guess to be, you know, if you're catfishing, nighttime is going to be your kind of time that you're going anyway. But, you know, if you are wanting other species, you know, the nice thing about night fishing is <laughs> certainly a lot less, uh, a lot less pressure out there. But all the folks, I think, you know, but the only folks I have, I really ever see out there are guys that are out there catfishing or, uh, have their boats rigged up with, uh, enough lights to, uh, uh, put a stadium to shame and, uh, are out bow fishing for, uh, for carp, um, which is a whole, that, and that, I guess that, that doesn't really necessarily fall under there, but, uh, those are the ones that you, you tend to see and you certainly can't miss those <laughs> bow fishermen with the, uh, the, the boats that are all, uh, are all lit up and everything. Um, sometimes I think, uh, I've seen barges with fewer lights than, uh, some of those uh, bow fishing guys, but hey, you know that's uh, that's what you need to uh, to have success out there. But that's again another little, just not necessarily. Uh, I, I guess moon moon the moon doesn't necessarily affect them quite as much. But anyway, just uh, didn't want to overlook that. Okay, uh, it is uh, eight thirty eight. I'm going to take another break here and then be back with more of WKTY Outdoors in just a gif here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. WKTY Outdoors, brought to you by Roscoe's Live Bait in Toma. He'll tell you where the fish are biting. Just go in and ask. Things are a little different right now, but one thing that remains the same is Milwaukee Brewer Baseball on WKTY. Yeah, it's a shortened season, but Bob Euchre's back for his 50th season, and whenever the Brewers take the field, Euchre will bring you the action. Brewer Baseball on WKTY brought to you by Bobcat of the Cooley Region, your hometown Chevy dealers, Firefighters Credit Union, Mr. Electric, Five Star Telecom, and Balduzzi's Lumber. As long as there are games, WKTY will have your action. Your station for Brewer Baseball, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. The air cools, colors change, the bluffs and the woodlands transform into that familiar look of fall. It's the part of the year you love. Hunting around here is as good as it gets in the Midwest. At Ace Sportsland in La Crosse, they can't wait either. Not only do they offer all the hunting and fishing gear you need, but their staff are also hunters, fishermen, and outdoor enthusiasts. So whether you hunt small game, waterfowl, or whitetails, get your gear from people who share your passion. Ace Sportsland in Ace of La Crosse on Mormon Cooley Road. Hey kids, I was thinking maybe we should take your cousins out camping this summer. What do you think? All right, snow is by the campfire. Water skiing and fishing. I'm Scott from Schumacher Cage Funeral Homes. And just like you, I'm excited to spend time with my family this summer taking advantage of all the fun things that La Crosse has to offer. Summer is always a fun and busy time. At Schumacher Cage Funeral Homes, we'll be there when you need us the most. If you're a sports fan, you can't afford to miss the Dan Patrick Show on WKTY. Go back to Tuesday's show. Popular singer Darius Rucker telling us why his wife was okay with naming their daughter after Dan Marino. It is not as good as she was okay with it because uh, my daughter was conceived at uh, at uh, Dan Marino at uh, Don Shula's, I think, 
retirement or Dan at Dan's retirement and uh <laughs> in our hotel room there was a a life size picture of Dan over my over our bed. <laughs> so she thinks Dan's the reason that the so Danny came. You you got in the mood because you were looking at oh look at number thirteen. It's so hot. That's one of the creepiest things you've ever told me. Don't miss the Dan Patrick Show. Weekday mornings 9 to 11 on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. It is 8.41. I'm Kevin Millard. Thank you for joining me on the program today. Brought to you by Ace of Lacrosse Sportsland and by Roscoe's Live Bait in Toma. And sharing some uh, some cool news anyway. The uh, uh, It was the uh, FLW uh, High School Fishing Mississippi River Open over the weekend. Um, or last weekend, I, I should say. And uh, uh, some local... Folks here did uh, did very very well. Noah and Nick Gann of Sparta uh, won the uh, won the tournament. Uh, they caught uh, five bass weighing thirteen pounds fourteen ounces, which is uh, not a not a bad haul at all. Definitely. Um, and then uh, uh, from Caledonia, the uh, the team of uh, Eli Ranzenberger and uh, Jeremiah o- uh, Jacobson uh, came in second uh, in the tournament. And both teams will advance to the 2021 High School Fishing National Championship. So congratulations to uh, uh, all of them and all the anglers for the uh, the tournament. And uh, that's cool. That's uh, definitely, uh, definitely very, very cool. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I just happened across this this morning here, as a matter of fact, and, and I didn't get a chance to get uh, Al on here, but... Uh, um, we had Al Lewis on, what was it, yeah, a few weeks ago anyway. Uh, not that long, probably longer than I thought, but this month has flown by. Um, but uh, um, the uh, had Al Lewis on uh, talking about the uh, his uh, Rotary Club Musky Challenge. And uh, he went uh, uh, up to, uh, what was it, Lake Vermilion, I believe, yeah. And uh, um, was doing uh, doing some fishing up there. And did pretty well, as a matter of fact. He's uh, he was raising uh, raising money for the uh, uh, the rotary through the Rotary Club anyway to uh, to help out the community here. Um, and so that uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, he raised almost fifteen thousand or fourteen thousand eight hundred dollars, I should say. Uh, so that was some good fishing. <laughs> The higher the dollar amount, the, the better the uh, uh, the fishing was. So uh, that's uh, um, that's pretty cool. So the uh, main recipient of the funds is the uh, New Horizon Shelter and Outreach Ouch, Outreach. Easier to say than say it. Uh, the <laughs> Outreach Centers, uh, the Stewards of Children Training. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, additionally, uh, the following nonprofits uh, received $1,000 of the funds raised. Mobile Meals, the Guardian Angel Fund, the uh, Gateway Area Council, uh, Lacrosse Public Education Foundation, and the Family and Children's Center uh, for some of their projects uh, as well. So that's, uh, 
uh, that's pretty cool. I'll just, uh, they just wrap that up here. The, uh, 28th as a matter of fact. So that's, uh, uh, not bad at all. Um, I didn't let's see here. Um, I think here, da, 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 da. doesn't say how many exactly he caught, but I'm sure I could figure it out. Just do the math or whatever, but it's a challenge and trying to do it on the fly at this hour of the morning. Uh, no. But uh, now, congratulations to uh, Al and and uh, the great work that he did to uh, to help raise funds for the uh, uh, for the community here. So very very cool, very uh, very cool to give an update on uh, on that as well. So that's uh, always good to see. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to. Uh, what did I do with that? Where did I go with that? Okay. All right. Kind of shifting things here again on the. Uh, on the fly, uh, and no pun in, no pundit intended. Um, let's see, how do I want to do this here? Um, <laughs> see, this is why I didn't do the math because I'm trying to make a decision on what I want to talk about next and try to figure that all out. And, uh, I'm having struggles with that. So, you know, this is live radio. Well, uh, what happens when, uh, <laughs> things uh things happen that are a little bit beyond uh beyond your control okay let's uh let's do this let's uh shift gears just a little bit and uh, uh I, I was talking about it earlier in the program about uh you know getting uh, out there the panfish bites uh, doing very very well with the bluegills right now and you know certainly this time of year uh getting out there and, and catching some uh crappie along with them are uh you know uh definitely uh Definitely a must on my list anyway. And, and certainly, uh, you know, crappies are a, a step up from bluegills or sunfish in the, in the fighting category. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you pull in some of those, even the larger bluegills, it's like you're pulling in a stump, <laughs> you know, a small stump anyway. But, you know, crappies have put up a nice, uh, a nice fight. And, and when you use, you know, light or ultralight gear, uh, you know, that can be just a, a, a hoot, uh, you know. Finding them can be a bit tricky, though, of course, uh, this time of the year. Um, some are still in their summer haunts, and, and others are, you know, uh, kind of maybe starting that transition here. I think we're going to start to see that here in the next, uh, you know, week or two, is that they're going to start making that uh, uh, transition into their fall location. So, you know, the first key to, to having success with the fall crappie fishing anyway is, you know, be willing to move. Because uh, it's you know they are in they're going to be getting in that transitional phase here. Um, you know, crappies can be found along weed lines, timber cover, shallow points. Uh, you know, even suspended deep for that matter. Um, you know, so if you find them in one spot, especially the larger sizes, you know, stick with it until the uh, the pattern that you're using you know won't work anymore. Um, and I'll, I'll talk more about that in a moment, but I do want to start on on location. Um, you know, think, uh, shallower water. Um, this is true, not only for the guy in the boat, but for the, uh, the shore angler as well. You know, a lot of times, uh, crappies will move into shallower water to feed on, you know, bugs and small minnows. Um, you know, either you can spot them on the surface feeding or you may, you know, uh, be able to see them on your depth finder there. Once you do locate them, you know, it's important, especially if you're, you're working shallow, not to move in, you know, too close. Um, or you will spook them. Um, 
and it's not even Halloween yet. Um, especially in clearer water. Uh, you know, same goes for the uh, the shore fishermen here too. Um, is that you know you, you need to be a little more stealthy anyway. Um, the key here is is that uh, you know, if you find them along weed lines, uh, places along those lines, you know, along with their panfish brethren, you'll, you'll you can find them in there. A key is that you know if you're looking on the weed lines, you know if it still holds viable weeds, is that it's situated near deep water that they can use in as as an escape route. Uh, you know if if they get pressured or, or Get spooked or so. Uh, same, you know. So that's that's why you got to be a little more stealthy, if you will, and and uh, maybe having a little bit uh, longer pole anyway to get in where you're uh, where you're going, uh, unless you, uh, you know, chase those fish out of those spot. Um, but those are you know weeds and timber and places like timber maybe isn't necessarily so bad. They they've got that cover, but you know, you, you work them along those, you find them along those weed lines and places like that. Um, they, they can spook a little bit easier in, in those kinds of places. If they're fishing deeper, obviously it's not, uh, if they're, they're hugging the bottom a little bit more than it, it isn't necessarily an issue, um, or as much of an issue, I should say. Uh, one spot too, uh, checking out like on lakes, especially deeper ones as well. Uh, sometimes crappies can, can school up you know, 30 to 35 feet in some cases. Again, finding them on your depth finder is uh, is certainly going to be critical. Uh, you know, you need to see how far off the bottom they are in order to adjust your presentation. Regardless of whether you're fishing them shallow or fishing them deep, um, you want that lure presented just above the fish um, because they're a, a, a look-up kind of eater. <laughs> you know, most of us look down at our plate. Um, these guys look up, uh, so, you know, it's just, just the way they're, they're built, um, cause they can't really see, you know, if you put something below them, it, it, it you know, make some noise. Yeah. That's one thing, but uh, most of the, you know, you just want that lure above, uh, above them anyway. Um, now in most cases, you know, uh, uh you know, jigging a minnow or some kind of artificial, a uh, little worm, something along those lines, uh, will do the trick, uh, for shallow depths. You can use either like a 16th or an eighth of an ounce jig. Um, and if you, you know, gradually work deeper, uh, like, you know, I mentioned some of those suspended crappies just off the bottom, maybe you need to use like an eighth of an ounce just to get it down there. Um, it will sink faster to get the bait in the zone quicker. Um, the 16th of an ounce will drift down just a little bit slower, but, not necessarily, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It does have some advantages, um, for shallow presentations. You know, it'll come down a little bit slower. Maybe not, it won't have that, that rapid movement necessarily of, of a larger jig head. So that, uh, that's a, another thought to think about in terms of presentation as well. Um, and regardless of water clarity, think about contrast when it comes to, uh, jig and lure combinations. You know, a two-tone lure is maybe picked up a little bit better by crappies, uh, increasing your chances of a bite. And, you know, so, you know, combinations like you know, chartreuse, white, yellow, orange, what have you, um, 
easy to see for the fish. Easy to see for you, and you know, therefore easier to see for the fish. Um, and you know, if the jig in the minnow combination isn't necessarily working, you can certainly go with the little small spinners. Again, um, like the little beetle spin kind of things, sixteenth um, or eighth ounce variants. Um, again, play with the color combinations that uh, that work. You know, and unless you're working heavy, heavy timber, you know, those spinners just aren't. You work those in a lot of different places. Um, but spinners are good lures to to try, you know, if you can see the fish and they aren't responding to the slower action of a jig. You know, just try running a spinner by them for a couple of casts. I might just do the trick. And, uh, you know, if you want to tie it into something, uh, you know, as far as line goes, um, four or six-pound tests should get you by anyway. Uh, shallow water, weeds, places with a little timber. You can get away with uh, uh, four pound, maybe a little heavier cover, bump it up a notch. Um, if you have to, uh, you know, force that fish out, you might want just a little bit extra oomph in that line. Um, tend to use uh, four pound myself because I'll use some lighter or ultralight uh, action because I, I just, hey, it's just, it's more fun. Um, you know, <laughs> although if you, you tie into something that you don't necessarily want to be tying into, um, uh, yeah, I, I blew up a rod the other, uh, a few years ago anyway, uh, crappie fishing and was using ultralight and latched onto a, uh, probably about a three pound bass that made my two piece rod into multi pieces. <laughs> it was just like, uh. And it just was, and it was like that too. It was just like boom, boom. He hit that thing, and and you react, and in not a good way. So, but anyway, uh, one of the reasons, uh, you know, now one of the reasons uh, for larger crappies is due to uh, uh, certainly catch and release. And um, you know, while I advocate taking some home for a good meal, you know, make sure the ones that you take aren't you know, or maybe some of the smaller ones, you know, release the bigger ones for someone else to catch. Um, take what you need, you know, all, larger ones if you take it, you know, but just, you know, I guess what I'm getting at here is, you know, take what you need for a meal and, uh, and nothing more. I mean, um, you know, I remember seeing a, a report uh, from the, the DNR, I don't know if it was Minnesota, Wisconsin, but uh, um, somebody caught a bunch of fish and, and just didn't take them home and just, Left them there at the landing to uh, uh, go to waste. You know, yeah, it's not. No, you don't want to be doing that. Uh, enjoy the resource, use it responsibly, and you know, save what you can for uh, for someone else to enjoy. You know, and uh, and have some fun. Uh, have some fun while you're doing it out there. You know, great weekend to get out now and uh, and and try a little crappie fishing, a little you know bluegill fishing. Just uh, get out there. Just get out there and enjoy it. Okay, i got to take another quick break. It is 8.56, back in a moment on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. <laughs> 